What up, Block KC? How we doing tonight? Let's go. Man, is it good to be back. It is real good. I hope that you guys have had an excellent Christmas. It's February, so I can't believe I'm saying that. But we haven't seen each other since before Christmas. Isn't that crazy? That is absolutely wild. Someone said, whoa, thank you. Uh, I hope you had a good New Year's, all that stuff. Uh, it's good to be back together in the same room. It really is. If you're new and, and you're unsure what the block is about, exactly like Charlie said, we exist to help young adults navigate life through growing in faith, character, and all the day-to-day aspects of life. So we really are so glad that you're here. We believe that God cares about each and every single aspect of your day-to-day life. And so we're really looking forward to seeing what God has to say to us as young adults. Uh, we believe that God guides us in all of these things. And I believe uh, that something cool is going to happen tonight. So if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, uh, I'm Nick Swearingen. I'm a pastor at Alexa Baptist Church, and I'm one of the co-founders and director of the Block KC. Uh, but more importantly than that, what you need to know about me before we get started tonight is that as a kid, I loved animals. Like, I absolutely loved animals. And you're probably asking, why is that important? Why is that relevant? Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about that beforehand. From ages three to eight, the link to every area in my life was animals. I absolutely loved them. I wanted to be a zookeeper. Anyone want to be a zookeeper growing up? Yeah, a couple people? Yeah, until I learned that like most of what they do is shoveling poop. I was like, I'm not into that. I don't really want to do that. Uh, I had so many beanie babies. Anyone have beanie babies? Yeah. I had so many. Uh, a lot of plastic dinosaurs. If I would go to the dentist and I was good, I would get like a tube of plastic dinosaurs from the store. That was my treat. Uh, I would make parades of my animals from like three to four. I would just make these long parades all throughout my house with all of my plastic animals. And I I loved everything that had to do with animals. I loved Power Rangers because they had machines that looked like animals. I loved Pokemon because those are basically animals with special powers. I watched Zaboomafu. Does anyone remember Zaboomafu? That is a blast from the past, I bet. I spent like 30 minutes a couple weeks ago looking up the real lemur Zaboomafu's family tree. Me and my roommates did that. It was like... What are we doing? Uh, I love Tigger. Uh, I love Tarzan, Lion King. Everything in my life all just shared a common theme of my mindset towards animals, and that was that I loved them so much. And the reason I share this, the reason why this is important is because in the same way, everything that you do in life has a common thread, and it's heavily impacted by your thoughts. It's heavily impacted by the way that you think. What you think, how you think, why you think the way you do, and who informs your thoughts, this will be the greatest factor that shapes your life. Which is a bold claim, I know. And when I say this, I want to clarify, I'm not talking about head knowledge, right? Like, I'm not just talking about the information that we take in. Uh, I'm talking about the summation of our thoughts, our beliefs, our worldview, our self-talk, our opinions, our memories, the information and the data that you consume. All of these things make up what we would call our thoughts. It's pretty all-encompassing. But to simplify this, what we're going to be talking about tonight, I want to boil that down to one main idea, that your thoughts matter. Your thoughts matter. And your thoughts matter because they will determine the outcome of your life. Every single outcome of your life, your, your job, your friends, your money, your marriage, your family, every single one of these things will be impacted by how you think. And so it's a very big deal. And in fact, beyond all of these things, your eternal destination will be impacted by your thoughts. And what's special about this is that the God of the universe 
And the God of the Bible, the God who created you and created me, he cares deeply about the outcome of your life. And because of this, he cares deeply about your thought life. And he's given us his word to inform our thoughts so that he can guide us to the outcome that he has planned for us. So with that, let's pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, God, I am so uh, grateful for each and every one of these people in the room tonight. Uh, God, I pray that your word would speak to us. God, I pray that it wouldn't be my thoughts or my opinions or my ideas. God, but it would be your word and your thoughts that we hear. God, and I pray that each and every one of us would take an honest look at our thoughts. God, that we take an honest look at the things that we fill our minds with, God, so that we can chart a course for the outcome of our life, God, and we would look at it and we'd see that you have a good outcome planned and that we would adopt your way of life and your outcome and your way of thinking. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so tonight we're going to be learning from Colossians 3, and if you are new to the Bible, uh, that's fantastic because you're in the right place. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to equip you with one before you leave tonight. You can stop by the Connection Center like Charlie mentioned, uh, get your cup if you're new, but also grab a Bible. We would love to equip you with one. But if you do have your Bible or you've got a phone in the meantime, find your way to Colossians 3. As you're finding your way there, a little background for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, Colossians is actually a letter recorded in the Bible. It's written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the city of Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey. So that kind of helps you locate where the story's going on. And Paul was a man whose life was radically transformed by Jesus Christ. And he travels around the ancient Roman Empire telling people about the hope of Jesus and planting these communities of Jesus' followers or churches. And oftentimes, God would give him words to write to these churches so that they would know how to follow God, and they would know the things that God wanted to lead them in. But what's actually unique about the letter to the Colossians is that Paul did not personally know the church there. Paul had no special connection. He'd never been there before. He didn't know the people. He didn't know what it was like. But still, God had a word for them. And I think that that's special because tonight, as we're talking about why your thoughts matter, even if you're new to the block, even if I don't know you, or even if you don't feel like you know much about God, God knows you. And God has a word for you tonight. Sound good? All right. So we start off with Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So Paul starts off in verse 1 and he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. What does that mean? He's saying that if you are a Christian, your thoughts need to be focused on the things of God. It's pretty simple. But before we go any farther, I want to clarify what it means to be a Christian. Because I recognize that we can come from a variety of backgrounds. And there are a lot of opinions on what it means to be a Christian, uh, but I think the most common misconception among young adults is that Christianity is this religion where if I live by a certain code or morality, if I'm good enough, then I get to heaven one day when I die, and God looks at me and says, okay, yeah, you're good. And so on face value, if we look at this verse that says, seek the things that are above, we can kind of think, okay, if I just think the right things, then that will lead me to the right outcome, and then I'll get up to heaven, and God will look at me and say, yeah, you did pretty good. Like, go ahead and come on in. And that seems kind of simple, but the issue is, is that it's wildly inaccurate to what the message of the Bible actually is. 
Because what Christianity is in all reality is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And what it means is that every single person is broken by what the Bible called sin. And that means that we're living as rebels to God. And it means that every single one of us don't have a relationship with God naturally. And we're separated and we're called enemies of God. And we live our lives in contrast to the way that the God of the Bible would have us live. But God, he loved us so much that he didn't want that, that chasm to stay there. He didn't want that separation. So he sent his son Jesus, fully God and fully human, to live a perfect life on earth 2,000 years ago. And Jesus lived a perfect life and then he died on the cross for our sins. And he made the payment that our sins deserved that separation from God. And he took that upon himself so that we could be clean. And then, as, uh, as Jesus died, he was actually brought back to life three days later so that we could have new life with Christ, with God forever. And that's how we have a relationship with him. And so what that means is that if we know Christ, if we have new life with him, that we know him. And it's not just we know about him, right? Like, it's not just an intellectual, yeah, I agree that that happened. It's not just, yeah, like, I think that Jesus was real. It's I actually know Jesus Christ, and I have a personal relationship with him, and I belong to him. That means that my life is charted by his course and not my own because I belong to him personally. And that leads us to point number one, your thoughts matter because they show whose you are. Our, our thoughts and the way we think, it, don't, it doesn't determine our outcome as followers of Jesus, but they should reflect the fact that I know Jesus, right? Here's what I mean by this, an illustration. Uh, if you know me at all, you know that I love the Kansas City Chiefs. Can we, get a, can we just get a cheer for the Chiefs, please? Let's go. That was a very stressful game on Sunday. Uh, man, our defense showed up. It was, it was crazy. Uh, Mahomes on one leg, still did it. I love Travis Kelsey's words afterwards. I thought they were hilarious. You can look it up if you didn't. Uh, needless to say, I am a huge football fan. I, actually, I just absolutely love the Chiefs. I love the sport, and, and my thoughts reflect that. What do I mean by that? Is because I know a lot about the Chiefs in the first place, but also I think about the game of football often. Like Throughout my day-to-day -day life, I find myself thinking about football, and I see something, and I think, yeah, that reminds me of football. It reminds me of the Chiefs. And so a lot of my memories revolve around football and memories of watching football with my family or watching football with my friends. And my opinions, my worldviews, in some way, all of these things are colored by my love for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I see things through red pretty often. Uh, but it's natural to ask, how did this happen? How did I become such an avid Chiefs fan, right? The answer is that my mom and dad love the Chiefs. And they are huge Chiefs fans. My mom is probably the biggest football fan that I know. And so because I belong to my parents, because I am their son, their relationship to me has heavily shaped my thoughts about football, and it has informed what my favorite team is, the Kansas City Chiefs. And so my thoughts show whose I am. Because I am the son of Kate and Kent Swearingen, who are Chiefs fans, I too am a Chiefs fan. Because, they, because I belong to them, and so my thoughts have been shaped by them. And so in a so much more significant and real way, if you belong to God, if you are a Christian, then your thoughts will show that. And your thoughts will begin to think and reflect the things of God. And so when Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, 
it makes sense that if we have a relationship with Jesus, that we would think about Jesus, right? Because we think about the things that he cares about. It's what it means to be in a relationship with someone. And our thoughts are oftentimes a window into our hearts. And so if I love God and I have a relationship with him, my heart is going to push my thoughts towards Jesus. Because it's what's in my heart. And it naturally overflows into my thoughts, which naturally overflows into my life. And so the more that I love Jesus, the more I'm going to think about Jesus throughout my day to day. But I think the issue with this is, as young adults in our 20s and 30s, that sounds nearly impossible, right? To think about Jesus at all times throughout the day, like, that, that sounds impossible. And more often than not, it also sounds really not practical, right? Like, I can't just sit there and think about Jesus all the time, right? Like, I, we have to make money. We have jobs that we got to take care of. We've got relationships to navigate, uh, we've got to think about where we live. We've got to think about our friends. We've got to think about our hobbies. And there's so much there that, like, sometimes we just have to think about having fun because that's a lot. And I don't want to get burnt out because there's just so much going on through our minds. And so when we read Paul's words to us that says, set your minds on the things that are above in verse 2 and not on things that are on earth. Again, surface level, I think we can read that and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, easy for you to say, Mr. Super Spiritual Guy like who, who is writing part of the Bible, you can afford to have your head in the clouds. Like you can afford to think about these things all the time, but I don't have time to think about all that stuff. Like I've got my life to focus on and I can't really afford to think about that Jesus guy all the time. And so we focus our minds on our day-to-day -day life. And my mind is often too full of everything else in the world to set my mind on the things above. And the issue, though, again, is this is not what God is saying. When, when Paul was writing Colossians, there was a really popular philosophy in those days called Gnosticism. Bear with me on this. It's not a philosophy class. Hopefully it's a lot more interesting. No offense to philosophy majors. Some offense. Uh, Gnosticism had a lot of different aspects that spoke to how the universe was created. They had a lot of different aspects about morality. But at the core, the idea of Gnosticism taught that your life could be better and your problems could be solved by gaining some kind of special knowledge. That if you could just think hard enough and figure out the right way to think about things, then all the problems in your life would be fixed. And this is what Gnosticism taught. Uh, it comes from the root word uh, in Greek, gnosis, which just means to know. And, and so that in many ways, that's a lot of times where we find ourselves as well. What do I mean by that? I, it's so prevalent in our world that we hear, if we can just focus our thoughts on positive thinking, if we can just focus our thoughts on daily affirmations, if we can just focus our thoughts on the right things or get the right worldview, then I'll be happy, right? And if I can just keep my thoughts positive long enough, then my life will be happy and all my problems will be solved. It's a very, very prevalent idea that's pervasive throughout people our age. And so what happens? We try to think positively. And people turn to things like daily affirmations, or they just try to shove out every negative thing in their life and just cut it out of their lives. Uh, people have tried things like manifesting. And ultimately what all these things are is that we try to use our own thoughts to save us from our problems. And we try to focus on what's good and live our lives focused on our problems, and we just keep our eyes down and keep them focused on our success or our happiness or comfort or whatever you are currently setting your mind on to save you from your problems. But if you've tried this for very long, 
you know that there's really just two outcomes. One, we either end up really numb after a while because that's just so much to think about. And there's just so much running through our minds that eventually we just end up numb. Or two, your minds are overloaded and your mind is constantly racing and you can't turn off your thoughts and you start to feel anxious or apathetic. And, and maybe you've been there and maybe you're there right now and you find yourself numbing out constantly your mind on social media or alcohol or sex or whatever it is. But because life is so stressful or because you're so anxious, you feel like running away from your thoughts all the time. But you know that someone has to care about these things, right? Someone has to care about the things of your day-to-day -day life. Someone has to focus on all this. Someone's got to take care of it. And as adults, we feel like, man, that's got to be me. Like, I'm responsible for myself. No one's going to take care of me. And y'all, the thing is that that's not true. The truth is that God cares about you. And God created you. And he loves you. And what it means to be a Christian means that you belong to Jesus. And that means that your old self has died and your new life has come through Jesus' life. And so in Colossians 3.3, when it says your life is hidden with Christ, it means that since you trusted in Jesus, God cares about your life. And he's going to protect you. And he's going to take care of you. And he's going to look out for all those details that we get so stressed about. And he promises to take care of those things. And it means that Jesus is our life. And so if Jesus is alive, then we are also alive. And so for the Christian, like, if the worst thing that could happen to us is death, death is really not even the end. Because we have Jesus' life, and we go be with him forever. And then in the meantime, everything that we need to maintain life, God promises he's going to take care of us. He promises that he's going to take care of our finances. He promises that he's going to take care of our housing. He promises that he's going to take care of our love life. And it's not always what we think, but, but God will take care of us. He promises that. Jesus, uh, he was teaching this to some of his early followers, and they were often concerned by the same things that we are concerned about, where they were going to eat, what they were going to do, their jobs, so many of these things. And in Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't worry about where you're going to get your next meal. Because at the end of the day, that's all we really think about with our jobs. We're focused on getting money, which is just providing for the future, which at the end of the day is just that we can have enough to eat. And God is asking us in setting our minds on him, he's saying, I'm going to take care of you. And, and in the same way that when I was a kid, because I belonged to my mom and dad, they were going to take care of me. Because they were good parents. And God is a good father. And God in the same way is saying, everything about your life, your job, your finances, your love life, your social life, your comfort and downtime, I will take care of all of these things if you just focus on me and you turn your thoughts towards me. And your thoughts matter because they show whose you are. And if we constantly think about the things of God, we can know that we can trust God to take care of us. What does that mean practically, though, day to day? 
It means that at the deepest level, we think about God in the day-to-day parts of our life. It means that as we live our life, we see God as a part of everything that we do. And again, I want to be very clear, proper thinking does not earn you salvation, right? It's not just, I need to think the right things and then I'll be saved. Salvation is through grace, through faith, which is a gift from God. It's free, it's a gift. We don't have to earn it, we don't have to do the right things or think the right things to save ourselves. Uh, We can't get the cart before the horse there, we really can't. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then your thoughts have changed and you begin to focus on God in the areas of your life. And so what this means practically is, let's say you're at work and your boss asks you to do something. When you think about that, how you introduce God into that situation is that rather than sitting there and thinking, how can I do this to impress my boss or earn more money or get ahead, your thought is, Jesus, show me how you want to work on this project to love you and serve other people. And you begin to shape the way that you see that situation by thinking about God. Let's say in a different scenario, let's say you get home from a long day of work, it's really cold outside, you go home, you sit down on the couch, you get a blanket, you're sitting there, and you're just feeling drained and at the end of your rope. And you're like, man, I am just absolutely tired. Rather than turning off your thoughts and numbing out, you think about God and you ask God, God, what do you want to do to refresh me? And and that might be some of our hobbies. That, that, that might be the things that we enjoy, but it also might be going and serving someone else. It might be spending time in God's word. A lot of times, this is how God refreshes us. Uh, maybe in another situation, you're sitting there and you're trying to decide if you should call your ex back up. Right? And you're sitting there and you're feeling lonely. And you just feel like, man, I just want to have some kind of physical intimacy right now. Instead of just allowing your thoughts to go down that rabbit hole, you ask God, what do you want? this area of my life to look like? How do you want to inform these things? And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is what are the thoughts that we entertain? Because it's, it's not enough just to know these things, right? It's not enough just to know that Jesus cares about us. It's not enough just to know about the Bible. It's what actually happens in practice. What are the things that actually come out of our lives? What are the thoughts that you give into on a day-to-day basis? And are they the things of God? Do you invite God into your thoughts? Or do you focus on yourself and exclude him from your thoughts? This brings us to point number two. The choices in your thoughts matter. The choices in your thoughts matter. And this is a tough one, right? Because uh, I think a lot of times, maybe if you guys are like me, we feel very victimized by our own thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of times I feel kind of plagued by my thoughts of insecurity or anxiety or anger or hurt feelings or sexual desire or lust, bitterness, comparison, pride, like, you name it. A lot of times we sit there and we're like, yeah, that's not really, like, a helpful thought. That's kind of negative, but I just, I can't shake it, right? It just keeps coming back. Has anyone ever been there? You guys feel that? See some nods? And, And it feels like these negative thoughts get super intrusive, right? Like, they just kind of feel planted in there and like sure like hey I'd get rid of them if I could but I don't really feel like I've got a choice I feel like these things just come into my mind and they take up space there and I don't really have any say in the matter but Paul says that we are to set our minds on things above which means it is a choice how we think 
Paul continues in Colossians 3, he says this in verse 5, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Y'all, when he says to put these things to death, that should indicate it's going to be a little bit of a battle. Right? It's not going to be easy to change our thoughts. It's not easy to put to death sin in our lives. But all of these things that he lists, these things start in our mind. Every single one of these things. Check it out. Sexual immorality starts in the mind. Right? No one wakes up instantly start hooking up with a bunch of people that they don't know. No one starts off just having a bunch of one-night stands. It happens when you check someone out at the gym and that thought enters your mind and you entertain it. It says, man, I wish that guy or that girl would take me to bed. Sexual morality starts in the mind. Greed or covetousness, it also starts in the mind. What does this look like? It looks like when you get paid and you check your bank account and you look at that number and you give into the thought that says, man, wouldn't that be nice to double that amount? That would solve all my problems. Man, if I just had more money, that would be what I need. And we start to think that money will deliver us from our problems. Things like anger and, and gossip, they start in our minds. When someone sets you off and you're sitting there and you're thinking about all the ways that you could get back at them. And you're just dreaming up your revenge plans of all the ways that you can talk about them behind their back. Maybe if you're even not going to do it. But you sit there and you think, man, yeah, I want to get back at that person. All these things, it starts in our minds. And the reason why these choices are hard, if we're honest with ourselves, I think it's way easier to let our minds run in, their, in those scenarios rather than let God inform our thoughts, right? It's just so much easier to let my mind run because it takes work, it takes energy to let God inform my thoughts. And it feels kind of cathartic, you know? Like you get angry and you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna kind of stew on this for a little bit. Like I'm gonna just kind of let this sit and I'm gonna let this simmer and that feels good. Why can't I imagine myself getting even at my friend who betrayed me? Man, they didn't invite me on that trip. They didn't invite me to that social gathering. I should sit there and I should start to think angry thoughts about them. I deserve to do that. Maybe you think, man, why can't I imagine myself sleeping with someone who's not my spouse? I'm not actually going to do it, right? I'm sure it's okay. It's just fun to imagine things. Surely it's not a big deal. Or we think things like, man, why can't I just have a little me time? Why can't I just let my thoughts be numb for a while? I don't need God to make me happy. I can make myself happy. Guys, I think the reason why we don't choose God in our thoughts is because it's one of the only areas of our life that we can secretly play God. And we sit there and we play God in our minds because we can completely control the situation. And we begin to think, man, what would I do if I was in control? Man, what would I do if I had all the power, if I could do what I want? And our thoughts are breeding grounds for this. Because ultimately, we don't trust God in those areas. And that's us believing a lie that God is not good. And that is a sin, and it's deceitful. Which is why it feels good in the moment. 
But ultimately, sin leads to death, and sin has consequences. No one plans on abandoning their kids to make more money and spend more time at the office, right? No one sits there when they have a kid and thinks, yeah, I'm not going to be present so I can make more money. No one plans on having an affair. No one plans on not having a relationship with God or not prioritizing it. But these things start in our mind when we neglect to introduce God into our thoughts. And when we choose the things of the world and we choose our thoughts and we choose to let our thoughts run, that's how these things begin. And this begs the question, how do I control my mind or how do I control the thoughts that I entertain? There's three primary ways. The first one is God's word, which we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, The second one is our community, which we'll cover two weeks from now. And the third one is our consumption, specifically our our media consumption, which is the one that we're going to focus on tonight. Uh, And again, what I mean by consumption is what am I putting into my mind? Like the TV, the music, the social media, the podcasts, the YouTube videos, the movies, the scrolling on the For You section of TikTok. Like this is what I'm talking about. They have profound impacts on our thoughts. And so I want to focus on the media that we consume. Today is uh, February 2nd. Does anyone know what day that is? Yeah, Groundhog Day. Let's go. Exactly. Man, I love Groundhog Day. Look at this picture. This is a legendary picture. That man is just hoisting a groundhog above his head. Uh, I think this day is hilarious. I really do. I love this holiday. Uh, Maybe it's my love of animals. I'm not sure. Um, But for those of you who are not really familiar with the deeper meanings of Groundhog Day, uh, I'll let you know. It's a a Dutch-German superstition, and I am Dutch-German, so I feel like I'm qualified to speak on this, introduce you to it, to my culture. Um, So this is it, basically, right? There's a groundhog that comes out of the ground, and if the sky is clear and he sees his shadow, he goes back into his den and winter lasts for six more weeks. But if it's cloudy, he doesn't see his shadow, and spring will come early. By the way, I looked it up. He did see his shadow today, so sorry. You're going to have to bear with the cold weather. Uh, But they have festivals for this in Pennsylvania. They've got them in New York. They've got them in Wisconsin. They've got them in Ohio, everywhere. It's It's a fun tradition, right? It's a fun little thing that they get to put on. But as I was researching and reading about Groundhog Day this year, which is not something I often do, Uh, I came across this line. Listen to this line. I love this. It says, while the tradition remains popular in the 21st century, studies have found that no consistent association between a groundhog seeing its shadow and the subsequent arrival time of spring-like weather. Like, there was an actual study done to determine if this was real. This was by the Washington Post. They hired a team of scientists to do research to see if there's a connection between these two things. And we look at the groundhog and his shadow and winter and think, of course there's no real connection between those two things, right? Like, of course, it's just a superstition. Of course it's not real. But the thing is, so often we treat the connection between the media we consume and our sinful thoughts as a superstition. And in the same way, we think, man, there's no connection between those things. How many of you guys have told yourself, oh, that show, it doesn't affect me that much? Man, social media, it's bad for most people, but it feels really good for me, right? It's okay for me to do it. 
that true crime podcast full of rape and murder, this really doesn't contribute to my distrust of people, does it? Video games with excessive violence really don't desensitize me to it. These things don't really affect me. You know, the choices in our thoughts matter. And, and I'm not here to make a list of shows that you can and can't watch. I'm not here to tell you what apps you can and cannot have, or a music, or games, or books, or content, whatever it is. I'm not here to make a list. But what I am here to do is to share with you God's word. And this is what Jesus himself says in Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy or if what you take in is good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Man, what your eyes take in will fill your mind. And it will begin to consume your thoughts. And if it's not God-pleasing, if it's not focused on God, it's not setting your mind on the things above, on the God who you belong to and the God who loves you. And it will be leading you into sin. And in the moment, these things can feel so good. But it's just because it's a snapshot of that moment. And it's not thinking about the long-term consequences of what we fill our minds with. Like, we're not thinking about the destination that these medias take our thoughts to. We're just focused on the temporary high and the relief from the mental pain that it brings. And, you know, I, th I think one reason that we're so resistant towards Christ-likeness in our media, what I've found personally is at the end of the day, I just don't always believe God's way is going to be fun. Right, like I don't think I'm going to enjoy thinking about the things of God. And it won't be as entertaining. And everything in our life has told us that you need to be entertained at all times. And you need someone else to take care of your thoughts for you. And we need media to entertain us every single moment of every single day. And that leads us to choose to think about what I want to think about. But again, this is such a huge misconception. That the things of God aren't entertaining to think about. Do you know what God wants us to fill our minds with? Listen to this. Paul uh, wrote this in Philippians. It's another letter. He says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Guys, God wants us to think about things that are true, but he also wants us to think about things that are lovely. God wants us to fill our minds with things that we can celebrate in a good conscience. He wants our minds to be full of what's pure. That is what God is inviting us to think about. And we have a choice in our thoughts. And as you begin to choose to focus on the things of God, you start to build conviction. And this is one of the hardest things that you'll do. Right? This is very, very hard to begin to retrain our minds to think about the things of God. Because our thoughts really never shut off, you know. Our thoughts are constantly running, whether it's in the background or the foreground of our minds. They're always going. And what's more is that we don't always have control about what goes into our minds. But we do have control of what stays. We can limit what enters into our minds. Uh, I, I think about this. It's kind of like an inbox at work. Does anyone have a job where your inbox is just always blowing up, always expanding? Wow, not a lot of people. Well, not, not a lot of email folks here. Um, well, you get a lot of emails, right? And some you can label as junk. 
and you don't have to see them. And then for the things that make it through the junk filter, that's not beneficial, you can delete those emails. So you can focus on the things that you need to focus on. And in the same way, we can build into our minds a filter that limits the music or the shows or the media that we consume. And we look at that and we begin to see it, oh, that's junk, I don't need to see that. And we avert our eyes and we turn away. And then as things start to slip through, as thoughts enter into our mind, as we feel our mind being intruded, we get to sit there and we get to choose, man, am I going to keep this thought or am I going to delete it? Am I going to do something about this or am I going to take it away? And then as you begin to enjoy the thoughts of God, your thoughts will continue to change. And what you consume this year will in many ways determine the outcome of your life because our thoughts matter. And this leads us to our third and final point. Your thoughts matter because they determine your actions. Colossians 3, 9 through 10 says this. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, if you belong to Jesus, you are putting off the old self. You're making the choices to think about the things of God. That's called putting on the new self. And it says right there in Colossians 3 that the old self has practices, which means the old way that we used to think before we were followers of Christ means that there were certain practices, there were certain actions that went along with that old self. And then it also says that the new self is being renewed in knowledge. And it means it's being renewed. The more that you fill your mind with a relationship with God, your thoughts will include God in any given part of your life, and you'll find yourself following God in those areas. And you'll find yourself starting to obey his commands because your thoughts are full of what God thinks about. And your thoughts begin to point you towards the actions that God invites us to take. Romans 12.2 says this, Paul writes, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Y'all, God has a plan for the outcome of your life. If you believe in Jesus, your eternal outcome is secure. That can't be changed. But a lot of the outcomes here on this earth will be decided by how you live. And God has a will for you that is good and pleasing and perfect. Isn't that crazy? God wants us to think about things that are good and pleasing and perfect. He wants that to be the outcome of our life. He cares about us deeply. The question is, though, how do I determine that outcome? How do I get myself there through my actions and my thoughts? Practically, how do we apply these things to our lives? I have some application questions here. The first one, uh, is what you do is you take an audit of your day-to-day -day thoughts. How often are you thinking about yourself versus God? It's not a trick question, and it's not something that we feel guilty about. It's just an honest, self-reflective audit that we sit there and think, how often am I thinking about the things of God? How often am I focusing about things that are true or pure? Or how often am I focused on thoughts that are leading to anger or pride or bitterness or apathy? The first thing we do, we learn to take a daily audit of our thoughts. Uh, next, we take an audit of our mental intake. Begin to ask yourself the question, what are you putting into your mind and how is that affecting your thoughts? Take a step back, I would encourage you, take a step back from all the media that you consume and look at it with an honest light and ask yourself the question, is this media 
pushing me closer or farther to God? Is this something that pushes me closer to God, or is this something that pushes me closer or farther from God? And if you're looking for media uh, that's going to push you to God, there are so many great podcasts that you can check out. I would love to recommend you some. The Block has a podcast. We, you can go back and listen to all of our talks from 2022. Uh, I have found some that have just been so beneficial, some other podcasts that I listen to. There's some great shows out there. There really are things that are entertaining and beneficial and good to fill our minds with. If, you, if you're curious about those things, you can come ask me afterwards. I, I'm, I'm very passionate about podcasts. I know some people aren't podcast people. That's okay if you aren't. There's a lot of great things to fill your mind with. Uh, but we take an audit of our mental intake. We ask ourselves the question, what am I putting in my mind? Finally, take an audit of your actions. Choose in your mind any unwanted sin pattern in your life. And, and begin to ask yourself the question, what incorrect thoughts are leading to this behavior? And begin to identify those thoughts and pray that God would begin to change your mind. You can also ask yourself the question, where do these actions lead me later in life? If I continue to live this way, where will this take me one day? And you begin to pray to ask God to change your life and your actions and renew you as you have a relationship with him. And slowly and surely, your life will begin to change. And you'll stop being conformed to the world around you. But instead, you'll be conformed to the life of Christ. And God has called us to be conformed to Christ's life or obey him by thinking God-glorifying thoughts. Y'all, make no mistake about it. The Bible calls us into a love relationship with God, but God's love language is obedience. God has called us to be obedience in the th or obedient in the thoughts that we think. But the issue is, is that if we think for a moment that obedience to God's call on our lives is not going to satisfy us, that we're going to miss the mark. Because we're going to look at that and we're going to think, that's not good. I don't want that. But listen to what Jesus says. This is the result of, of obeying God's commands. Jesus says this himself in John 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide or remain experience in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full God promises that obeying his commands will lead to fullness of joy and it might take some time to rewire our thoughts and begin to feed ourselves differently but God promises that it's going to be good he promises that you'll be able to experience joy and y'all, the way that you think about yourself, the way that you think about your life and your money and people who have hurt you or people that you disagree with, these thoughts will determine your actions in these areas. And your thoughts matter because they determine your actions. All of the areas of our life, they are determined by day-to-day -day actions. How you speak kindly to other people, how you serve and sacrifice, how you practice loyalty, how you say no to angry outbursts and control your tongue, how you spend your money and your free time, and most importantly, how you get to know God. These are all day-to-day -day actions that are guided by your thoughts, and they will guide you to an outcome. And if you want to experience a life where you have a healthy self-image, and you've got friends who are good to each other, 
and they have each other's back and they challenge one another to be better and you've got a marriage that's full of love and mutual sacrifice and you want a job that's fulfilling and not a drain on your life and you want free time and recreation that actually restores you versus making you feel more drained all of these things come from actions which come from your thoughts and your thoughts come from who you belong to and so this year, starting off the block KC for 2023, I want to ask you the question, who do you belong to? Do you belong to Jesus? Guys, Jesus invites everyone to belong to him, free of charge. And he is a good and loving God to follow. And my challenge to you this year is that maybe your thoughts have been negative for a while. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, Maybe your thoughts have been dark for years. And maybe your mind is so full of pain and numbness and stress that you don't think there's any way out. Here's my offer for you tonight. Taste and see. Taste and see that God is good. Because Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus wants to come alongside us, put his arm around us, and say, I'm going to guide you into these things. You don't have to figure this out by yourself. He says he's gentle. He's patient. This is not an overnight change. But if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you can begin to follow Jesus now. It's free of charge. There's no stipulations. There's nothing you have to do. You can begin to follow Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you, remind yourself of who you're yoked to. Remind yourself of who you belong to. And allow him to guide your thoughts so that he can lead you to the outcome that's good and pleasing and perfect. And this year, just taste and see. See if God's good to you. See if he shows up. And if he does, commit to following him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that you would be changing our minds. God, we, we ask that you would help us to see that our thoughts are reflections of the fact that we belong to you. And God, if there's people in this room, God, if there's men or women who do not belong to you, God, they're not your followers, I pray that you would make that painfully aware to them. But God, I pray that as soon as they see that they're aware of that, God, they would realize that you love them and you want to come and you want to wipe away the sin and you want to wipe away the pain in their life and the numbness and you want to begin to transform them. And God, I pray for all of us that are followers of Jesus. God, I pray that we would not just know these things. God, I pray that the Bible would never be something that we just gain head knowledge about. But God, it would be something that's real and practical and it changes the way we think and it changes the way we act because we belong to you and we have a relationship with you. God, you need to do this. God, we can't do this ourselves. And so God, I pray that as we spend time worshiping you, reflecting, God would... The song that we're about to sing, God, the, the way that we're about to let that fill our minds, God, I pray that we would begin to get a taste of seeing that thinking about things that are true and just and noble and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy, God, we would be singing a song that's good. And God, help us to just get a taste of how good you are. And God, as we're talking after this, as we're experiencing community, God, that we would experience thoughts from you that are good and they show the outcome of the life that you want for us. And God, I pray as these things get hard, as they get difficult, 
we would remind ourselves that we're yoked to you and you're gentle and you're lowly in heart and you love us and you care with us, you care about us and you're there every step of the way. God, I, I need these things more in my life every day. Each and every single one of us, God, this is our need. We need you. And God, we just know that you are good and you alone are good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.